0: Happy Easter, Waypoint, my name is Austin, and we're glad to be together as we celebrate this Easter Sunday when God was victorious over death and darkness in our world. So wherever you're joining us from, welcome, and we love you. Hey, if you have kids, check out what Kids Ministry is posting on Facebook because Melissa and Heather are hard at work creating videos for your kiddos. Alright, last but not least, we've had a lot of time on our hands. So what we've done is we've created a video for you guys. If you're a fan of The Office, you're going to like this. Check this out. So lately, I've been getting a lot of people tell me I resemble this guy. But with Easter approaching, things around the office have been getting, well, a little weird. Hey man, heading out. Anything you need before I leave? Uh, Yeah, actually, if you
1: could just top me off. I'd be good to go. Do do what now? You know, do your thing. Water to wine?
0: No big deal, right? Right. Okay, well if there any if there is anything you do need before I go, just let me know. Okay. Dan. Bro! You
1: didn't do your thing.
0: anything before I
2: head out? Hey, speaking of, due to this whole quarantine COVID stuff, we haven't been able to get out to the store and get all of our food supplies for snacks here and wondered if you could help us out with our food storage. Sure. But we thought you could take this filet fish sandwich and do what you do to feed everybody. What is it exactly that you want me to do again? Oh, come on. It's not 5,000, but we could use like 50 to 60 servings. We're gonna wait here or is he coming back? I I don't know.
0: stomach's not doing well, can you uh, do something about it? It must have been something I ate. Oh, yeah, I got, I got some Pepsi AC in my bag. No, no big deal. Can't can, can you just touch my stomach or something? It, I really don't like the taste of that.
1: Who you say that I
0: am? <sighs> Probably shouldn't have worded it like that.
1: Yeah, is, it, is that one of those rhetorical questions that you like to use all the time? Oh my gosh. want to get
2: wet Believe it or not, people have been asking me whether I know I look like Jesus. So,
0: we hope you enjoyed that video. We had a lot of fun creating it. We're going to join our artists for worship.
1: I've point happy easter we are so glad that you guys have tuned in with us this morning we can't think of any other way to start easter than to just worshiping with you guys so wherever you are make this space your own we are celebrating this morning of the great resurrection so come on let's sing together i cast my mind to calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all. Shall peace the night and I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. So, about two thousand years ago, one man walked into a village. And everybody thought he was crazy. Some people still do. And the world wasn't ready for him. And some did follow, but a lot doubted. And today, today we get to celebrate about how this man who came with crazy ideas and flipped everything upside down. Today, today we get to worship because the ultimate battle, the ultimate battle is won. So I don't know about you or wherever you are, but I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to give it all we got because the battle is won and He has resurrected. So with all we got, we sing His name and we praise Him. So come on, we praise. him. Oh, praise the. waypointer Waypoint, like I said earlier, happy, happy Easter. We are super glad that you guys are here. We are ready to worship with you guys. So coming up next, Blair is going to give us an amazing Easter message. So check this out.
0: Well, I'm so glad to be with you today. Uh, As if things could not get more awkward. It's already been a little weird to talk to a camera or an empty room, that sort of thing. And then um, something happened to me that made it more awkward for me this week. I think I'll I'll just show you, okay? I don't know. Can you see it? Yeah, I'll give you two choices here. One, don't mess with my wife during quarantine. Or two... Don't mess with your brother when you're five years old. So that he has to defend himself, knee you in the face, kill your tooth, eventually have it extracted 47 years later where they have to pack bone in the place where it can regrow bone. I don't know if that's super specific or not, but um, it was so bad that when they took it out, they actually had to do a bone graft. I'd never even heard of such a thing. And so now I'm waiting for a little while for them to put in something temporary. And then four to six months, my bone has to regrow my jaw before they can put a tooth in place. So I've got this little awkward thing that I'm feeling uh, about, and you're going to see it throughout the fort. Like, just ignore it. Just do your best to deal with it. It is what it is. I don't know what else to do with it. Um, I'm glad you're here. It's Easter. We get to be together, and there's a lot to celebrate. Now, you may hear that and wonder, man, is this the time to celebrate? There have been, there have been families at Waypoint that have lost loved ones to COVID, There are some who are still um, recovering from it right now. There's a lot of you who are staying at home, getting stir crazy, not really sure what you're gonna do. Some of you don't have jobs anymore. Some of you are wondering about your businesses, wondering about coming out on the other side of this and being okay. And so uh, maybe it would make sense if we pushed off celebrating for a little bit. Now, what I'm not suggesting is that we get together and um, violate all the social distancing Uh, instructions that we've been getting but I think celebration has added the core to it is this um message of hope that because you know something's going on that everybody doesn't else everybody else doesn't know you can approach life with a hope that allows you to be different think different have different attitudes and I'm convinced that we're in a season in, in the world where the hope that we carry around in us, the potential that we have, should be seen, should be out there for the world to see. And I'm hoping that today, as we remember some of what Jesus has done for us, that your hope will be restored, that you'll have a way to respond that will allow you to take that and display it to the world. This morning we'll be starting a new series called Pandemic. It's about uh, finding hope, that hope that we were talking about when fear spreads like a contagion. And uh, I think maybe some of the motivation that started in the back of my mind for this series was I heard a lot of Christians talking about not having any fear, as if it was a badge of honor if there would be no fear in your life at all, which didn't quite make sense to me because there is a place for healthy fear in your life. Now that, that might seem counterintuitive, but I think it's been a part of the way we've all lived and grown up. It's even in some of the things that we've told each other from when I was a kid. I don't know if they're still saying these things, but I heard it as a kid. I said it to my kids and I said it to other people. If your friends wouldn't jump off a bridge, would you? Right? And a lot of times that was said, trying to convince people that you just don't go along with a herd just because they're doing that. But underlying that idea is that you would have enough wisdom... To assess the situation and realize that jumping off a bridge is a dumb idea that's dangerous, and you wouldn't do it just because everybody else is. And so that in, that fear allows you to make a wise decision. That's exactly what healthy fear is. It allows you to look fear in the face and make a healthy decision. It doesn't mean that you don't have any fear, and I think sometimes the way we've talked about this is almost like this blanket statement that you shouldn't experience fear in your life. And I have news for you, you're going to. You're going to experience fear, and the question is, is there a way for us to respond to it in a healthy way? Because the problem with fear is that it has this way of making you think you're making a healthy decision it seems healthy it seems right it seems wise but it's not and instead it sits in your life it can soak with you and when it sits there it actually becomes debilitating it starts to um, cause depression it can be really harmful to your soul and this is why i think god is concerned about it because if it if it affects and changes who you were meant to be then fear is a debilitating thing that he doesn't want to have anything to do with but if you could face it and be wise, that would be great. Now, just in case you're wondering, Blair, are you, have you lost your rocker? I just don't think there should be fear at all. I, I, want, I want to just walk through this real quick, and then we'll get into the topic. You're probably thinking about the verses that you're hearing a lot of people share right now. This is um, in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says this, For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's that's talking about the spirit that you were meant to live with. You're meant to live a certain way. And when fear changes that, when fear causes you to be a timid person, it becomes a real problem. But it doesn't suggest for one second that you won't face fear. In fact, I want to take you to something that Jesus said to his own disciples. This is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. He said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He tells us to be afraid. Which is it? Be afraid or not be afraid? And you would be quick to say, wait, 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 it's different. Exactly, which is my point. Fear is different. It's complex. And when we talk about it in one lump bag, we often end up with a wrong idea about it. Uh, My hope this morning is that we can find a way to look at fear that comes into your life in a way that you can respond healthy and, and show hope to the world because it will come. It's coming your way. In fact, as I started looking at this series, what I found in the, in the Scriptures was that often some of the same ways that fear makes its way into our lives right now it's doing the same thing in the Scriptures back then. This has been around for a long time. And so I want to take you, and I want to look at some of the forms that fear takes as it comes into your life, and and maybe help us figure out, if we could figure out a way to respond to that form of fear better than what we're currently doing, maybe we could make some wise choices, maybe we could make some wise decisions. So that's what I'm hoping to do, and we're going to do that by going to a text that's in um, the Easter text, which makes a lot of sense for this morning, and so I want to take you to a place... Where um, as this form of fear enters the story, it does a lot of destruction in under 24 hours. And it does it in a lot of different ways. It touches the story in a lot of different ways. So I want to start um, where Jesus and the disciples, they've had their Passover meal. They've gone to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has prayed for a while. The disciples were sleeping. Jesus is pleading with his disciples. He's talking to them about the earnestness of them being up and praying with him and engaging. And in the process of that, he's interrupted. And this is what happens for the interruption. This is in Mark chapter 14, verse 43. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs. And then it goes on to say who sent them. So what we have here in the scriptures is Jesus is speaking. He's interrupted by a whole group of people carrying clubs and swords. Now, I I don't know about you, but I would like to suggest that when something like that happens, it would be wise for you to be afraid of them. Now, just put yourself in their feet for just a little bit. You're walking down whatever town, little town you live in, and you're in the main street. And you notice ahead that there's a group of people, and they're carrying with them clubs or bats. They've got swords and knives and all kinds of stuff hanging out. What do you do? Do you look at your friends and say, this is no big deal. Let's just hang out here. We'll go down and talk to these people, see what's going on. Do you look at your family and say, ah, let's just keep window shopping. Who cares? I bet not. I bet what you do is you use this gift that God gives you called fear, you make an assessment about what's going on, and you get out of there. Nobody would go, oh, that's a terrible decision. Everybody would go, that's pretty wise. It was pretty wise for you to see that that would be a problem, and then you left. Here's the thing. The disciples eventually leave the scene. There's a group. There's a crowd. It's big. They've got clubs. They've got swords, and the disciples leave. And here's what's written about it. This is in verse 50 of Mark chapter 14. Then everyone deserted him and fled. See, the fled part feels like that would be pretty wise. It would be pretty wise for you to get away from a crowd who's considering like harming you in some way. And so it seems wise their decision to flee. But did you catch the word that Mark wrote when he described it? He said they deserted him. That is a pretty negative word. And what Mark is trying to help us understand is that what happened when this unfolded is that something was wrong with the souls of these guys when they made this decision. The the crowd brought fear to their doorstep, and their response to it was something that changed who they were. And they ended up running away. And it might have seemed wise at the time, but it wasn't wise what had happened well they felt like the best way to deal with this thing that had just rolled up on them was to get out of there and avoid it have you ever tried to avoid your fear have you ever decided to not return the phone call you just let that email sit there for a week because you knew if you answered it, it would cause problems and you were afraid of what that would do so you just let it go or you avoided that conversation you were around each other But you were just quiet because you knew if you brought that up it was going to be fireworks and so out of fear you avoided it does it ever make it better has it ever made it better see healthy fear is what happens is when a fear rolls into your life you face it and you make a decision but when these guys saw what was happening When they finally assessed the situation, and by the way, I know there's a whole lot more going on there. We're going to go back and we're going to look at that in a little bit. But it ended with them leaving, and leaving in such a way that something was wrong in their soul. They interacted with fear in a way that it changed who they were, changed who God had meant them to be. Another thing I want you to notice about verse 50 That when they fled, the reason they fled was pretty legitimate. Almost all fear enters our life as something legitimate. It makes sense that you're afraid of that. There would be a reason for you to feel that kind of fear. Then the question is, do you approach it with wisdom or do you do what the disciples did? You seem to do what's right. You seem to do what's wise. But in the end, it was identified as deserting. It wasn't wise after all. Now, I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but I'm convinced that one of the ways fear comes to your life, fear comes to my life, is through crowds and groups of people. They show up and they have the ability to impact us. And sometimes what that does is it causes us to react in fear. We withdraw, thinking if we avoid, if we stay away from it, it'll go away. But all that does is it just sits in our hearts. And when fear is left unchecked, when you don't face it and make a decision about it, it can erode you. It can become debilitating. It can turn to depression. It can turn to all sorts of things. And so the disciples in this choice to run away have now introduced fear into their lives in a significant way. And we do the same thing. And it started with a crowd. As they take Jesus away, they take him to the courtyard of Caiaphas. He'll later spend the evening in Caiaphas's house. I've been there. It's eerie. But this whole scene takes place out in Caiaphas' courtyard where they're accusing him of all kinds of things. They bring false accusers to Jesus. They have all kinds of things to say. And then Jesus makes a statement. And when he makes a statement, the place explodes. And I want you to see, because Peter's in the courtyard, he's watching this unfold, and I want you to see what he saw right before he betrays Jesus for the third time. This is verse 65. It says, Then some began to spit at him, They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, Prophesy, guess who just hit you? And then guards took him and beat him. What Peter just witnessed before he went and betrayed Jesus was a group of people beating up and abusing another person. And most of us would look at that situation and say, That's a legitimate fear. That's something that you should be afraid of happening to you. And so Peter, when he sees this, thinks, It would be wise for me not to go down this path. It would be wise for me not to make this choice and this decision. And so he says, I'm not with him. But the scriptures record him weeping. Why is he weeping if it was a wise decision? Because Peter knew something had changed in his soul. Fear had come into his life because not even 12 hours earlier he had stood by Jesus and said, I will go down with you even to the death. And when the moment came and he faced that opportunity, he shrunk back in fear. And he knew that his soul had been compromised. What did it for him? Well, in this case, the crowd intimidated him. He was afraid of what he saw. And crowds intimidate us too. We don't want to feel like the outsider. We want to to be accepted. And so we do stuff that allows us to respond to a crowd so that they'll leave us alone, so that they'll be okay with our choices. We get afraid, and we go along with them. And the fear that they have carries to us just because we're intimidated. The crowd's not done. Uh, In the morning, they take Pilate. They take Jesus to Pilate. And uh, Pilate knows this is all political. He knows the whole thing is just bogus. In fact, Matthew records Pilate's wife coming to him and saying, Do not have anything to do with this innocent man. And Pilate himself actually has insight into the motives of the chief priest who brought Jesus. Listen, it's recorded. This is in Mark 15.10. He said, Knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed over Jesus to him. He knew he had bad motives. But that's okay because he's in a place where he's going to actually get to hand out justice. And this guy is not intimidated. This, this guy is a government official. And so when the crowd starts chanting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, if you think he's going to run away from this, you're crazy. He's, he doesn't have to run away. He's got all kinds of guards there with him, he's going to make a decision. If you think he's intimidated, during the Passover, Rome actually brought more troops into Jerusalem at that time, so that if anything happened, they could put down an uprising immediately. Everybody knew it. This was not the time for something like that. And so he's not scared of them. He's not intimidated by them. But he does have a different motive, and the scriptures record it. This is in Mark chapter 15, verse 15. It says this about his motives wanting to satisfy the crowd. He just wanted to make them happy. He's not scared of these people. He could put down an insurrection instantly. But what he wanted was to be seen as a good guy. He wanted to be seen as on their side. In fact, he was complaining about their politics, but he played politics back. And I bet you if you went and you asked Pilate, was this a wise decision? He would have said, this was a very wise decision. I garnered all kinds of political favor for this move, so it seemed wise, but what happened is fear rolled up to Pilot's life, and he made a decision based on wanting to satisfy the crowd. Can I just tell you, at least from my experience growing up, I've had every one of those things happen to me. I've had every kind of situation where I, I thought if I just ran from the fear, maybe it would go away. I've been intimidated by different situations. I've been influenced to want to make sure that I satisfy a group of people that I shouldn't have cared deeply about, but I did. One of the things that I remember um, when I was in elementary school, I don't remember the details, I just remember the big things because it, it marked me pretty well. There was a group of kids who were picking on another kid in uh, at recess, and I decided I didn't want to be the one who was being picked on, so I joined in the group. I don't know what was done or what was said, but I know it was put to an end by teachers. And I remember a teacher that I liked and respected. We had gotten along. I don't remember her name. She was very kind to me, pulled me aside. She didn't say that she was angry. She said, Blair, I'm really disappointed in you. I'm really hurt by your choice right here because I believed that you were capable of standing up and doing the right thing in this moment. And you chose the easy route. You chose to go with everybody else, and I expected more from you from that. And I'll tell you, that marked me as a kid. I think sometimes, even going to the other extreme, where I just didn't want to be with a crowd in any way, shape, or form at all, which isn't always necessarily a wise decision, but I became sensitive to making sure that I would do what was right and what was good. And even with that on my mind, I still find there are moments... When fear rolls into my life from the crowd, it's easier just to go, how can I satisfy them? It's easy to feel intimidated and think maybe I should make a decision based on that instead of doing what's right and what's good. And so the question is, how do you even do that? How do you pull that off? Because we have waves of stuff coming into our lives all the time that can shape us. And if we're not careful... We'll end up on the side of this where the fear becomes debilitating, where it sits in our lives. And the choices that we make seem wise, but they're not. What's great is that we actually get another good example of this on the flip side of the story, where they actually the disciples stand up. They seem to be doing the right thing. And again, it seems wise, but it's not. And I want to show you this because I think um, at the core of this is where we're going to find an idea that can follow us as we interact with groups of people, crowds of people, that are attempting to bring fear into our lives. Now, this is back in Mark chapter 14. Uh, The disciples um, have seen the crowd enter. They've got clubs. I I mean... It was described as a crowd. You understand there's so many people that you don't know how many people are there. So they just threw that number out at it. And the disciples' first instinct was not to run. They did this instead. This is verse 47 of Mark 14. Then one of those standing near, um, John tells us this is Peter, drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear, Whoa! There are 12 guys and two swords. We know from Luke twenty-two thirty-eight that they probably had two swords on them. 12 guys, two swords, and they're about to go up against a crowd with clubs and swords. What are they thinking? Are these guys crazy? Or have they been listening to people who've said, you should live with no fear, just go for it. Because it doesn't seem to make sense that they would have so much courage in this moment and none just a few verses later. It makes you ask you, what changed? What happened in them from one moment to a few short verses later? And there's only one thing that happened. Jesus spoke. In verses 48 and 49, he says something. Now in verse 48, he says this. Am I leading a rebellion that you come out with swords and clubs to capture me. Now, he's talking to the crowd who's there, but he's just as much talking to his disciples. Um, Jesus says, listen, I've been teaching in the courts this whole time. You could have come and arrested me. You could have come and grabbed me, and it would have been no big deal. But I understand what this is all about. He says this at at verse 49, the end of 49, but the Scriptures must be fulfilled. I know what you're doing. I know what's going on. I'm going to go with you peacefully. And this... Would have shocked the disciples. Because they're not just waving around a sword lightly trying to intimidate some people. They act, do you see where he hit the guy? He cut his ear off. I mean, it's Peter. He's a fisherman. He's going to have bad aim. That you should expect this, which is why it's a little crazy that Peter's even doing this in the first place, right? Why are you out there swinging a sword? And he swung it at the guy's head. He's serious about this. He's trying to start a street fight. With 12 guys with two swords against the whole crowd. How does he have that much courage? See, here's the thing. It seems like a wise choice. But it wasn't. See, sometimes um, fear does the opposite. We look at fear and we make a choice that we think is wise. But it's reckless. It was dangerous. And why was he making this decision? Because Peter was making the same assumption that the crowd had. They assumed that maybe Jesus' motive here was to start a rebellion that would throw Rome out of Israel where he could be king and reign over a peaceful territory. And they believed in that idea so much. They were willing to go to war. They were willing to put their lives on the line. See, earlier in the day when Peter said, I will stand with you and I will die with you, he had meant it. Until the story changed. When the story was no longer. I'm fighting for freedom. I'm fighting to overthrow Rome. Then all I have to look forward with. Is a dangerous crowd. Who's going to do some terrible things. And I'm not sure. I want to go down that path. And instead of being dependent on Jesus. In that moment. They were dependent on the story. They thought Jesus should write for them. And when he didn't write that story, they were out of there. They fled. Let me be as clear as I can. I'm convinced that one of the most important things that we can do in the face of the crowd is to make sure that we have um, the right thing and the right person to be dependent on. And I'm convinced that's Jesus. What are you dependent on? Who are you dependent on? Those are the most important questions because in every one of those other scenarios that we looked at, they were putting their dependence on something else. They were putting their dependence on Jesus coming through and supporting them. I'll rely on you, Jesus, because I know you're going to do what I want you to do. And when you didn't, I fled. I'm going to rely on you, Jesus, Until I see somebody beating you. And then I'm going to make my own assessment about what's safe and what's right and what's good. And I'm going to say no to that. And he became his own arbiter of what was right and what was good. And he didn't have his dependence on Jesus anymore. Pilate had been put in his place of authority by God to stand up for justice. But he played politics instead believing that he was making a wise choice because he wasn't dependent upon God at all. He had decided to make these things that would be best serving him. And instead, if they would have stepped into this arena and had somebody that they could have depended on, would have depended on, would have remembered the very ideas that Jesus said, look, it's better. It's better if you're afraid of the one who can harm your soul than somebody who can harm your body. If you would just have been dependent on me, your life could become what you were always meant to be. You wouldn't live in that timid sort of way that Paul wrote about to Timothy. But instead, fear rolls into their life in the crowd. They have a bad response. And they ended up seeing their souls changed at the core of who they were. And the only thing that would have made a difference is if they would have remained dependent upon Jesus. If they would have said, listen, I know what your values are. I know what you expect of me. I'm going to stand up for those no matter what. I know where I can find truth. And I see what's written here. And so I'm going to adhere to this. I'm going to follow what you had to say. I know when the voice of the Holy Spirit talks to me and guides me and says, hey, that's that's a wrong choice. That's not good. That's not helpful. And you listen for that. When, when you become a follower of Jesus, you do it because your dependence on Him allows you to live in a life that's bold, that's meant to be the way you were supposed to live. You could love the way you're supposed to love. You could display hope the way you're supposed to live. Because fear isn't defined by all those things that you see. Your choice becomes wise because of who you lean into. Honestly, we're talking at Easter time, and I just wonder does Jesus have to do anything more to prove that He's worthy of your dependence? I mean, Almighty Creator of the universe would seem to be enough, but He went further than that, He came. He went and heard all those false accusations. He took those beatings. He took the flogging. He went to the cross. He faced death. And he came back and he offered you a gift. A gift of life and a gift of freedom. And what's so beautiful about this story is that it's not just that you have freedom in the next life. You have freedom to live this life wisely right now. If you would just lean in to your dependence on who He is. If when fear comes rolling into your life, the first thought is, I need to talk to God about this. I need to go and pray about this. Because I'm dependent on His wisdom. I'm dependent on His values. I'm dependent on who He is to help me take these steps instead of looking at the fear that comes rolling in that paralyzes us, that causes us to run, that intimidates us, that makes us want to please crowds and satisfy people, we decide to satisfy Jesus. I'm really convinced that if you can remember today that the story of Easter is about the freedom that you are given to be dependent on this person that you chose because he chose you first it could change your life. It could change the way you respond. It could allow you to be a person of hope in a world that is flooded with fear right now. And it is spreading like a contagion. Look, it's, it's possible for you to do wise things. Stay apart from each other. Wash your hands. Wear masks. Do what. Those are wise things. But when you're making choices that fill your heart with dread, to change how you see the world and ultimately change you, you've got a dependence problem. And the only fix for that is to go to Jesus Himself and to remember I trust you. I'm going to be dependent on you. I will rely on you for your wisdom, your guidance, your values, and it will be my course. And I am not going to be intimidated by anything else in front of me. That alone. That alone should be enough to stir a hope inside you that allows you to live a different kind of life. I hope this morning you'll find that. Can I pray with you real quick? Uh, God, I'm really um, excited that for us, we have an anchor. His name is Jesus. And he he paid the price to stand uh, before us and say, you should be dependent on me. I'm reliable. God, I think sometimes it's hard because we want our story to be told. We want, we want the direction to go the way we thought it should go. But how this really unfolds is led by you. And if we would have the courage to get in line, to be dependent on you for your wisdom, for your guidance, for your instruction, we could make choices In a world that is in need of seeing hope, we can make bold choices that show love, generosity, kindness, not fear, not withdrawal. Give us the courage to be who we were meant to be. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you've been here. Uh, We're going to close out this uh, morning with a song. I hope you'll stay and listen and allow it just to rest. Just give you some more time to reflect on what we've talked about today. Love you guys.
2: Watching every heart, I worship.